I do want to uh, just encourage you a little bit from the Word today, so if you would take your Bibles. We have seen some wonderful pictures. It's been good to be together already today, hearing these uh, young men share what is going on in their life, the changes in their own family, what's going on there, how the Lord is blessing them. Children are a blessing of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. They're a blessing until they're in the church service screaming, and then you... And you, no, they're always a blessing. They're always a blessing. It's a wonderful thing to, to see. See these pictures. Uh, they're so cute and cuddly. They say that when a woman, uh, maybe it's just the mother, but I think it's women in general, when they hold a newborn baby, I think it's, it has something to do with the smell, but there's certain endorphins that are produced and, and set off in the body there that causes a euphoria and they just, you know, they love that. I don't know, but I think it works with pictures too. You just see a picture and you just, oh, how cute. Oh, how cuddly. It's a wonderful, no, it's not the same. It's not. I do want to just share a little bit from the word of God. But before we do it, let's just go to the word in prayer. Again, Father, we thank you. We are, have been blessed with many families, many children. It is a wonderful thing, Lord. And we just are so appreciative, so thankful for what you are doing here we thank you. We do pray that you bless our times. We just focus on your word just a, a short period of time just to remind ourselves of these things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These babies, you see them and, and you look at them and you can tell they are, they're not in their final form. They're designed to grow. They're designed to be bigger than they are. I mean, they're, they've got little arms and little legs their, their heads are much bigger than their whole, the rest of their body, just out of proportion. They're not designed yet for work. Now, you can take them to work, but they don't usually get anything done. They're not designed for a lot of responsibilities. They're just, just not capable of doing that. They're vulnerable. They need our help, right? This is the stage in life that they have to have a lot of attention. They have to have a lot of our support and encouragement. And God has given them to a family. God has, by design, created, by His design, created children to be born within a family, a mother and a father. Those families feed and care for and and watch these children grow. They instruct them and they disciple them and train them and love them. and, And it's a wonderful thing to see a family unit working the way they are supposed to be working. And that's the job of the parents. And God has designed them to do that. Turn over to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Because here's what I want you to see. That, that families, the family unit in which the baby was born, that's the context in which the baby was born, is perfect. It's designed to raise children. Just the way God has designed it to be. It's a wonderful thing. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse just 27. We'll just look at this one verse. We could read the more a larger passage, but we we'll need the one verse. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then God says, God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it." Now, within that nucleus, within that father and mother, within that male and female, they have everything that they need to populate the earth. 
Have everything that they need. He says, be fruitful and multiply. You have male and female. You have those things. And he says, and he, and he blessed them. And he blessed them. Now that's an incredible um, idea. Because the, the family is an institution designed by God. He instituted the family. It has parameters. It has purpose. And it was designed by God. And he designed it. And here's its design. Let me just point out a few things that are in this passage. First of all, they are created in the image of God. They are image bearers of God. God himself. That, that sets them apart from the animals. They're distinct from the animals. They are to rule. They are representing God here on this earth. And they are to rule over the earth. They have dominion over the earth. Now that dominion and that image of God has been marred. We know that. We understand that. Sin came into the world and, and marred that image. We are still within the image of God, but we sin as well. We sin. And we know that. It's a sad thing. But, but we can take courage in the fact that we are in the image of God. Male and female. Mankind is in the image of God. Both. But let me show you what else the advantage the family has. There's a, a male. There's a father figure within Within the family. He said, I will make them male and female. He created them male and female. Now think about that. Both apparently were necessary. Both apparently are necessary. God gave the family a male. He made them different. Male and female. He gave the family a male. Biologically, he is different from the female. They just are. Star by very nature. Probably a little bit bigger, maybe a little more tenacity, maybe a little stronger, maybe a little bit more endurance, maybe a little more of a risk taker. But he's different. His focus is outside the home. But on top of the nature of just maleness, there's also God-given responsibilities. And we have to consider that as well. God has given a role to be played by this male, this father, this husband. And it's a God-given role. And He is to provide for His family. He is to go out and seek and provide, bring something in and provide for His family. He is to protect His family. He is in the role of the protector and defend His family and protect the family. And He is to be a, a loving leader within His family. Both. He's a leader, but He's also a loving leader. Both coming together. And that's by God's design. The family needs a male. The family needs a father. The family needs that, that husband, male figure. But the family also needs a mother. He says he made them male and female. It was not complete. It wasn't enough. There had to be a, a female there. A, a genetic makeup a little bit different. A little bit different. But it's by design. She is designed to be a, a supporter, an encourager. Empathetic. Her focus is to her husband and her family, her home, her children. But God has also not just gifted her with a certain nature. There's God-given roles that she is to play. She is to play. She is to be the supporter, the completer. She completes him. He is deficient. He completes her. And even even before sin came into into the world, he was he was not complete until she was there. And she is to be a helper, a helper. She's also to be a companion to him. She, she manages what he brings in. She's, she's able to take it and, and use it for the good of the family. 
She is in no way inferior to him at all. Both are needed. He made them male and female. Male and female. In fact, history is, is, is shown. She is very capable. And, and given the certain circumstances, she can perform just as many times just as well as a, a man. But God has designed her to be female. The family needs female. The family needs male. The family needs that. Let me, there's another thing, there's a fourth thing that the family has that they may not even be aware of, but there's two minds in this family. Two minds. That means there's two perspectives. They're looking at problems from two different angles, two different directions, which is great, which is necessary, which is important. Wisdom comes from that. There's mutual dependence upon that. Sometimes I'll uh, be dealing with my children and I just say, all right, I, I can't, I don't understand. And I'll go to my wife. See, Sweetheart, what do you think about this? And she'll look at it from a completely different way. We're mutually dependent upon one another. And the Bible says they cling to one another. They're a team. They're a team. It's God's perfect design. The family. It's a wonderful thing. They need each other and they're in perfect balance as they're a team raising up these children. They have what they need. They have what they need. It's a wonderful thing. And He created them male and female. And we celebrate those differences we cultivate the maleness. We cultivate the, the femaleness. Now, sometimes we have to rein it in. It has to be tempered, but it's, it's there. We have to uh, know how to manage that. Today, it seems that people are trying to blend the two natures. It's not popular today be, to be distinctly male. To be dis- it's kind of a, a blending today. And so, as these families are raising these children, they have to think through that. And it's complicated. It's a complicated thing. In fact, what is happening is that they are, there's people that are doing this, and I think it's really a minority of people, but they're fighting against God's design. God made them male and female. It is God's design that the family have a male and a female within that. And people in doing this, they're trying to change their very identity. They do not like God's design, and they will fight against God's design. And they're committed to their own feelings more than God's design. God defines who we are. That's what makes Him God. And boy, I tell you, the human nature, we just fight against God, don't we? We fight against God. You mean mean God's going to have me to deny the way I feel? Yes, yes. He has made you distinctly male, distinctly female. And you are to be those. You are to play those roles. Couples, that is young couples, they're going to be facing a a difficult challenge in these days of trying to raise up men and women, godly men and women who know and understand those distinctions to say, well, can a woman do it? Yes, we've seen that. It's amazing to me. One of my heroes really is, is Ben Carson and just his, the description of his mother. You've heard the testimony of how she worked so hard to raise these two black boys in the inner city. And she's ama- it's an amazing story what she was able to do. They can do it. Females, women can do it. God has made them and equipped them to, to be able to do that. But God's perfect design is a man and a woman, a male and a female. It's God's design. Anything else, we're just fighting against that. Now here's what I want to say. The family unit, they have everything they need to multiply. God has equipped them. You, you, you saw the, these, these, I call them kids, having kids. These young couples up here, you know, they are equipped 
They're equipped to do what God has called them to do. It's a wonderful thing. Male, female, image of God, have two minds, seeing that they can do this. That gives us older folks some heart, some, some encouragement. Yeah, okay, there's hope. There's hope. All is not lost. All is not lost. But there's one thing the family doesn't have. There's one thing that the family really needs, and that is the church. The family needs the church. Now, it's a result of sin and all that. It's very, very complicated. But by the New Testament, we, we understand we need a church. The church family has to come along. The church family is the church is not the family, and the family is not the church. They're distinct things. But you know what? They need each other. We need young families. And those young families, they need us. They need us. Now, I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to see. Because I think sometimes people have the wrong idea of the church. Some people think that the church is there just to meet my social needs. It's kind of a, a social club. A social club. The church is there to, for my entertainment. The church is there for my encouragement. Maybe a little wisdom. Just some social interaction. I bring my kids so that they can learn to, to be socially interacting with other people. So they don't be, become strange and awkward socially. And they just see the church as a, a social club kind of thing. That is the wrong idea of the church. It's the wrong idea of the church. It's part of the church. There's a fellowship element of the church. And that is important, but it's not the main element of the church. Some people see the church as, well, it's just a, a worship, a place to worship. You, know, you go up on Sunday, take your kids, dress them up, take them to the church, and we worship there. We worship all together. Worship all together. And that's a good thing. They bring their children in. They say, okay, we want you to moralize our children. We want you to make them good citizens, good kids. And we worship here, and then we go home, and that's, that's about it. That is not the image of the church. That is not a, a biblical New Testament understanding of the church. It's part of it. Here's a more complete picture, if you will. Because all the elements kind of combine right here. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he says this, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Now, this passage was read to us earlier a little bit. You understand what's going on. Paul, is, this is distinctly talking to the church about the church. He's given the, the church these godly men who will teach them. Here's the purpose. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of service and the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And when you see the faith, the article, the, before the word faith, this is talking about not our personal faith, but this is the faith that was once delivered to the saints, Jude talks about. He's talking about the faith, the Word of God, that body of doctrine that we all hold to, that brings us together, that kind of unifies us. And he goes on to say, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. To the measure, the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful schemings, but speak, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Now, within this section here, you see a better picture of the church, and you see and you understand that the church is a training ground. 
It's, it's more of a boot camp that you bring your families to to get trained and prepared for ministry. It's kind of a boot camp. There's several elements here. First of all, I just want to point out the last word in verse 16 and several times throughout there. It talks about love. This is, first of all, an environment of love. The church is an environment of love. We have that to offer to families. We bring families in. We offer them fellowship and love. But also, and the main purpose of this, or the main point here is in verse 12, we can equip them. We can equip them for ministry, for the equipping of ministry of the saints, to make them adequate to minister. Adequate to minister. And that's our purpose. That's the purpose of the church. We, we equip these families. We can bring them in and equip them for ministry. We entrust them with the gospel. We teach them doctrine. We teach them how to train up their children. We equip them for that and we send them out to the expansion of the of the kingdom of God. In fact, in verse 11, it says that God has given the church for that, or given the church godly men to teach for that reason. For that reason. To equip the church. That means you. And that means me. To equip you for ministry. Each and every one of us has a minister. There's no one ministry here at Daniel's Bible Church. We have a lot of ministers. We come, we bring them in. We bring you in. Bring these families in. All of us come together and we saturate ourselves with the Word of God. We teach ourselves the Word. We train up and then we send them out. Send them out for ministry. That's the picture of the church. Is there social part of that? Absolutely. Is there worship part of that? Absolutely. The point, the, the focus, the drive is, is the equipping of the saints. I heard uh, one commentary say, uh, the church is, does not exist to entertain the saints, but to train and discipline to glorify God and to send, them out, send the saints out to reach the lost. There's another element here. So the, the, the purpose of the church is to to equip the saints. The focus of the church is to is Christ-likeness. So is it is it just kind of arbitrary what we're trying to do? No, we are wanting everyone to be like Christ, like his in, in his character, in his purpose, in his godliness, in the way he thought, in the way he acted. And so we we push toward that. We push toward that. And the agent, again, we, we've already said, is the Word of God. We speak the truth in love, it says. The Word of God. We come together and that's what we do. And the extent is everyone. You see that in verse 16. It, that we do this for all the church until all of us meet the measure of the statue which belongs to Christ. Until we all are like Christ. So our job is really never done. People keep having babies. We just keep having to do it over and over and over again. But it's a wonderful thing. Now listen, you're a part of that. That's, that's you. I'm talking about Daniel's Bible Church. I'm talking about those in this four walls right here. That's us. That's what we do. That's what we do. So these families, we bring them in. We train them up. And prepare them to be a part of the kingdom of God and then minister and, and teach them and train them to minister and then they go out and they begin to expand the kingdom of God. Not just by having babies, but by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's what we do. That's, that's a good picture of the church. And it is a glorious picture. It is a perfect picture. When the body, is, the body of Christ is functioning the way it should function, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You say, well, okay, we brought these families in. We've heard their testimonies. We've, they want us to uh, commit themselves, our, ourselves to praying for them. And you know, what can we do? On a practical level, what can we do for these families? Let me give you these quick things. Number one, we can understand and we can, we can acknowledge or know the, the boundaries. There's boundaries. That's it. There's boundaries. The church is not the family. And the family is not the church. You have the church has a, a distinct purpose here on earth. The family has a distinct purpose on earth. Two godly institutions that God has designed, God has instituted, God has put into place, and they work perfectly in harmony together. We, we, we've got to protect and, and guard against the boundaries of the family. It's not the church's responsibility to raise kids, is it? We would go bonkers, particularly the pastor. We can't raise kids. We can enjoy kids. We bring them in. We train them up. We help them. And we watch them grow from a distance, <laughs> from, the, from the house. You know, take them home. You do that stuff at home. It's a wonderful thing, wonderful perspective that we have. But we know those boundaries. There's, there's distinctions in God's institutions. Those two institutions do not overlap. They're perfect. They're perfect in balance in God's mind. Number two, here's another thing we can do, is give them answers. We, as the body of Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And it's right here. And we can teach and we can train. When you're in a Sunday school class or teaching children's church or, or in any other capacity or role, you have the opportunity to bring answers to those little children's lives. Or adult ed, and you're teaching these, these uh, uh, parents, you can bring answers to their lives. You can help them to deal with sin. You can help them as they learn to feed themselves spiritually. We can come alongside these fathers and uh, help them to and learn to be heads of their house, spiritual leaders. We, that's a unique privilege that the church has. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You have a chance. Older men, you have a chance to disciple these younger men. Older women, you have a chance to disciple these younger women. It's a wonderful picture. It's a wonderful picture. I hope this fires you up. Number four, I believe I'm on number four. Well, number three, we train them to deal with sin. They have to deal with sin in their own life. They have to deal with sin in their children's lives, in their spouse's life. We train them to deal with sin. They have to deal with sin. They have to deal with Satan. And they have to deal with the world, this, this world that just cuts against the grain of Christianity. It just doesn't, doesn't fit with what we're trying to do. We have to train them to deal with sin in their own life. And, and every one of them, I, I noticed, uh, virtually every one of them, asked that. Hey, if you see sin, you let us know. I appreciate that openness. That is rare. Rare. What father does that in the world? Hey, let me know how I'm doing my child raising. It's a unique privilege that we have. Also, we give them purpose to their life. The church can give purpose. We can help them to see that life is not just about this physical realm. That raising these kids is not just about putting food in and changing diapers. 
It's a little bit more than that. There's a whole spiritual element, and the church comes alongside and helps them to understand that. Number five, we set an example before them. We teach them. Men, you teach them, these other men, how to balance family and work and in, in church and the spiritual elements. They're, they have spiritual responsibilities, but yet they, they're tied in, uh, to this physical world of work. And so we set an example for them. Number six, and as we hold them accountable. Sometimes we have to come alongside and coach them and say, hey, you know, and there's counseling opportunities, there's, there's the encouraging opportunities. And then the last thing, the very minimal last thing, is that we pray for them. We pray for them. Prayer is so needed. Isn't it needed in this, in this world today? I tell you what, I want prayer for my family. We've got to, we've got to pray for one another. Men, Let's bond together to pray for our families, pray for our children, pray for each other. We've got to. This is, this is a battle. This ministry, we're preparing them, but it's also, it's not just a minute, it's a battle out there. It's a spiritual battle. Never underestimate the power of prayer. These families have the responsibility to raise their children. And we as a, a church, we have the privilege of coming alongside them and they need the church. Now, within the family, they have everything. It's great. It's wonderful. But you know what? They can't do what the church can do. The church can do as a unique privilege, a unique place in their life. Let's play that role that God has given us to play. The church can come alongside. It's our privilege to watch these children grow up without the messiness of the diapers. We don't have to do that. We can watch from afar. We can see them grow up. But what will you do to encourage these families? What will you do? What unique element will you bring? Will you come alongside? And will you pray? Will you help? How will you, how will you play your role? We can bring these families into the church and they have everything that they need in them themselves except what the church can provide. They don't have it all, do they? We can come alongside and encourage and keep them accountable and pray for them and do what the church is called to do and that's just make disciples. Just keep discipling. Making disciples. Just keep discipling these kids, these young couples. And that's a wonderful role. And when the church is doing what it's supposed to do, the world looks out, looks into the church and says, wow, how you love each other. And that's exactly what Christ said. They will know that you are my disciples because you love for one another. The world's going to look at the church and say, man, this is great. Love this church. They, they love each other. It's a wonderful thing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, ours is a distinct role. Only we can do this. The local church, it, it has this role. and we, we have this privilege. Lord, help us to be faithful in this. Help us to administrate the duties of our ministry to these families well, diligently, intentionally, deliberately. Lord, also, we pray for these families. This is not an easy world to raise children. So complex, so convoluted. There's so many lies out there that Satan has, has rooted into our society, even to the very nature of who we are. Lies. 
And Lord, yet we have these families, these young families that say, pray for me. I'm trying to raise these children to godliness. And Lord, ours is the privilege of coming alongside and saying, hey, we've got answers. We can help you. I've had to deal with that. Lord, this is one day, but Lord, there's going to be many, many nights of these, these ladies staying up late with their children. Men having to get up early, go to work. The, the day-to-day grind. Lord, help us to be faithful, keeping them in our prayers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, please. Well, it's been a full day, huh? A lot of things in this service. If we can help you in any way, now this is a little bit different kind of service for you, uh, for us, but uh, if we can help you, uh, I'd be willing to talk with you, of course, throughout the week or even during the, uh, even today, or tra- grab one of our elders. We'd love to be a part of that, part of your life and what God is going on, or what God is doing in your life. It's a big challenge for church. Don't forget these young couples. Don't forget them. Pray for them. Tim, come ahead. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures. 